Star Trek Picard, Episode 8, Broken Pieces, is the first episode of the series that I really don't have much to, like, gripe about. I do have one thing, and it's something that is so common in sci-fi fantasy shows that, uh, yeah, I am going to have to talk about it because it's, it's becoming a trope for me, and I don't like it, but for the most part, great episode, great episode. And as per usual, there's not a lot I can say without going into spoilers, but I'm going to try because I really like the show. It, it has found its way into my heart. It has found a way to make me like it. It has found a way to make me love it. And yeah, I, 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 I think it could have been longer. I think that's one of the problems is that it's it's having to rush certain plots in a way that is not helpful and slow other plots down in a way that's not helpful. And we'll talk about that all in a minute on Project Shadow. How are you doing today? My name is Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. And yeah, today we're talking about Star Trek Picard because yesterday was a very serious episode and I am really looking forward to just running off to the future where things are dark and scary, but in completely different ways and ways that are okay because I'm not synthetic. Oh, that was a really harsh and stupid thing to say. Sorry, retracted. But I'm going to leave it in because sometimes I say stupid things too. But before we get into it, if you haven't already, please do take a moment to rate this podcast and whatever app you're listening to me on does help out a lot. If the app that you're listening to me on does not give you the ability to rate, if you know somebody that you think might like it or just want to share it on your social media, that helps out more than you possibly know. Alrighty, let's just get into it. So we're at the point in the plot that I honestly don't know what I can say about the story without being technically a spoiler anymore. <laughs> like just saying what characters are in this episode feels like a spoiler. Um, <laughs> it just, yeah. So what I will say is I think it, to me, this show, this episode in particular found a way to do its pacing just right. And while I don't want the show to become formulaic, please don't let the show become formulaic. There was a really good balance between the dramatic events taking place between characters, within characters, and all that, and the action beats that were scattered throughout the show. Star Trek Picard, especially in Star Trek in general, since... It decided to come back under the, what am I going to say, masterful guidance. Yeah, we'll say masterful guidance because it'll make me feel better. Of J.J. Abrams. Um, it, it, it has had pacing problems. Pacing problems is the biggest curse that Star Trek has had. Also being too ambitious sometimes has also been a curse. But this show has finally kind of found a pacing 
that I like. And we started getting some of our first twists in this episode. We found out where the Jat Vash came from. We found out about the conspiracy that they've been engaging in. And we find out Rios's mysterious past. past. And yeah, I'm not giving up on my pet theory about Rios. <laughs> not yet, at least. I'm close. I'm close to giving up. I, I, they did a lot to prove to me that he, yeah, I, I'm probably going to have to give it up, but I don't want to. So I'm going to, I'm clinging on to a few, a few little pieces of hope, but yeah, it's probably wrong. And I think that's all I can really say without going into spoilers. So earlier than we normally would in an episode like this, let's get into spoilers. If you have not seen Star Trek Picard Broken Pieces and you don't want to know anything that happens within it. Now is the time to back off, to stop, to go watch it, come back, and then get into the discussion. All right. All right. Spoilers are incoming in five, four, three, two, one. All right. You ready? Let's go. So Agnes Gerardi wakes up, and I'm starting with her because she consistently is the one thing in Star Trek that I am not I'm not a big fan of. I don't like how they've treated her character. I don't like how they've written her character. I don't like so many things about it. And this is where it comes into this weird trope that has kind of infected Almost all sci-fi fantasy has started exhibiting this weird trope. And for some of the darker shows, it kind of makes sense and it can be justified. But, okay, somebody commits murder, has a bit of a cry, says, I'm done with killing. And people are just like, okay, fine, that's great. We're, we're good now. Mm. Really? Really? We're good? We're good? She, she, she murdered someone. Okay. As she had been mind melded and all that. And well, we do have proof that O is a Romulan now. So Romulans can mind meld. Who knew? Um, but yeah. So she said she was sorry and she really regrets it. And I know what you're going to say, but Picard was going to turn her in when they got to Starbase 12, which was a trap. The fact that not even Rafi put together that that was a trap. Because, you know, if Starfleet was willing to blow up an entire ship, the Ibn Majid, over the sins, you don't think that they were going to destroy Picard's little dinky ship? I mean, really? But anyway, that was a trap. Starbase 12, Deep Space 12 was a trap. It was a trap. <laughs> it was a trap. But yeah, okay, so they, they forgave her, and she's part of the crew now, because she's never really had a crew, and she's learning to be a part of a crew, and sorry for that little bit of killing, <laughs> just a little bit of killing, where I killed my mentor and one of my loves, or only love, it's, a, it's my bad. My bad. See, I was infected, you see. 
She put these horrible images in my brain, and now I can control them, and which is why I'm not killing Soji. But before, I couldn't control it, because the evil Romulan put thoughts in my brain. I'm, I'm, uh, it's weak. It's weak. It's weak. She, she, she murdered someone in cold blood. But we're okay with it now because she didn't kill Suji. And okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like this trope. I don't like this trope. I don't like Agnes Gerardi. I don't I don't like her character. Unfortunately, that's spilling over on the actress. We've been watching Devs, which I haven't really been talking about because Oh here, I, I will give you my succinct review of Devs on Hulu. <sighs> there you go. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about it. I'm watching it because Nick Offerman's in it. I love Nick Offerman, but yeah, it's 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 a show that is happening. And uh, Alison Pill, who plays Agnes Dorati, is in that show. And I don't think they've said her character's name yet. And I just call her Agnes because uh, it's spilling over. She's basically playing the same character, at least so far. But yeah. It just stop. Just stop. And Soji, so Soji has had some cute moments, and I, I uh, this show has been so much of a deconstruction of heroism, and who the character of Star Trek of um, Jean Luc Picard was. That I kind of expect that when they get to the AI homeworld that they're going to find out that, oops, he was wrong, they're bad, the Romulans were right. But hopefully we won't go there. <laughs> hopefully the show won't go there. But I, I, I'm i kind of at the point where a lot of my optimism in the show is gone. But a little bit was saved by Seven of Nine. Because, oh, uh, mm, mm, mm. Jerry Ryan, Jerry Ryan, Jerry Ryan, Jerry Ryan. I kind of almost wish that this was Star Trek 7, just to confuse people. It's just Star Trek 7, the word spelled out, 7. Because Jerry Ryan's character, every time she shows up, even when they unnecessarily murder each other in a grotesque and gratuitous manner that is not safe for children, but this show doesn't really seem to care about that. <laughs> Even though Star Trek is traditionally family entertainment, but that's beyond the beyond the point. Every time Jerry Ryan is on this show, I just want a show about Jerry Ryan. I just want a show about Seven because she is so good and her character is so compelling. As has become my tradition, every time when we sit down to watch a new episode of Star Trek Picard, I turn to my husband and I say, here's my red line. Because I, I have been burnt by so much new Star Trek, and this show has done things that, as you know, if you've been listening to my reviews, has really, really upset me. That I can see some ways that they might go, and if they do, I'm done. I'm just done. And I knew that Seven was going to be in this episode, not just because they put her promo image everywhere, which kind of really spoils the shock of her saving Elrod, eh, you know, Elrod, but Elnor, sorry, Elnor, magical space elf. 
but you know, he calls her at the end of the last episode. So you knew she was going to be in here. And I told Brian, I said, if they turn seven into the new Borg queen, I am done. I'm done. I, I just can't watch this show anymore. And so when she starts activating the cube and attaches herself into it and her eyes turn and her skin kind of turns and she, she opens her mouth and she says, we are Borg. I, I just, oh, I, I, I panicked for a little bit because I knew that that was going to come. I knew that was on the horizon because that's probably how they're going to save Picard is the Borg ship is going to come, come back and save him from the Romulan fleet that they're going to follow the Romulans. And that's probably how that's going to happen. Maybe, I don't know. Just a thought. Um, especially since we will talk about the name of the finale because we know the name of the two part finale now. But yeah, the thing that I'm guessing is the setup for season two because we're almost at the two part finale, which they are breaking up over two weeks. So we're almost at the two part finale. Hearing the voice of the Borg say, Annika still has work to do, and letting her go. Now, Brian and I talked about this a lot. Because, one, that's either the voice of Seven speaking through the collective. Though, I do have a slight problem with that, because still, she's not calling herself Annika Hansen, even though that is her birth name. She has kept the name Seven of Nine, as far as we can tell. She's, everybody's referred to her as seven. And so we, we assume she's kept the name seven of nine. So who's, who, who, who said that? Was that just the mini collective that she made? Did the collective, con did, did, did the cube connect momentarily to the hive? And that was the queen who said that? Who, who said Annika has more work to do and then detached her from the system. Who who said that? I need, I, I need to know. I desperately need to know. And I expect that she and Elnor will show up to save the day, and Narek will probably give his life to... or something. I expect... I still expect him to sacrifice himself to save Soji, because he really did love her, but he had to do his duty, and... Oh, and <laughs> I still expect that scene to happen. It might not happen, but they've really set up that that's probably what's going to happen. All right. So, um, I, there's a lot more that happened in the episode that I want to talk about, but we'll see if I have time because I don't want to not talk about the name of the two-part finale because it bothers me. It, 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 okay. So the name of the two-part finale is Et in Arcadia Ego. Okay. That might not mean anything to you. And if it doesn't, congratulate yourself. You've stayed out of the world of conspiracy theories for a very long time. Because this is an old one. And it's a recurring one. And it's one that comes up all the time. <laughs> It's frustrating because this is a phrase that appears in, a, in, I believe, two or three paintings 
by a French artist named Nicolas Poisson. And these paintings somehow figure in almost every, every, every conspiracy theory under, under the sun. You see, everyone just takes for granted that Nicolas Poisson knew something that he, he was, he was somehow this interceptor of secret wisdom. And because the paintings are the paintings, and he has just become this locus, this focus, this foci, this lens by which you can apply him to any conspiracy theory that you want. And trust me, it is amazing how many conspiracy theories he gets attached to. I mean, everything from the real bloodline of Jesus Christ, you know, that whole um, Da Vinci Code stuff, all the way to what happened on Oak Island. And a lot of different conspiracies in between. Like, Nicholas Poisson gets added to all of them at some point. He's like the secret spice. Like, your, your conspiracy theory isn't perfect if it doesn't include these paintings. Um, so, I'm assuming that this is in reference to the Holy Grail. Because a lot of the conspiracy theories around these deal with the Holy Grail. And that this phrase, et in Arcadia, in, in Arcadia ego, and I... I'm in Arcadia. It's basically what that means in English. It's Latin. Arcadia was to Rome what Atlantis is to us. It was this lost world, this perfect world that had collapsed, that had fallen away. It was this mythic wonderland where everything was perfect and everything was great. It was the promised land. It was this holy, holy place where everything went well and the gods walked with men and there was treasure everywhere, and everybody was wealthy, and everybody was healthy, and everybody lived forever. And most of these paintings involve like some shepherds and some fawns pointing at a cenotaph or a gravestone or something of that nature that has this phrase, et in Arcadia Ego, on it. And this is where the conspiracy theories always have fun. Some look at this phrase and go, see, what it means is the secret that's in the container, whatever our conspiracy theory is about, that's in that container, it's in Arcadia. And if we look at the hints on the painting, we, I can tell you where Arcadia is. And it's everywhere. <laughs> Depending on who's doing the conspiracy theory and which conspiracy theory you're looking at, it points to everywhere. Because like I said, he's the secret spice in every conspiracy theory. Others use this phrase and play with it and turn it into an anagram. It's an anagram. It's a secret anagram. And some of my favorites are, it's an anagram, but you have to drop these letters for it to work. See, those letters are in there to mislead you, which makes it just a terrible anagram. But okay. And then, of course, you get some really crazed explanation as to why it's those letters and why it makes sense to drop those letters. And, okay, sure, fine, whatever. But I'm assuming that this is in reference to either they're going to find the Holy Grail, or they're going to find Arcadia, this lost world, the lost homeworld of the AIs, which we already know that that's what they're going for. Personal pet theory. They're going to find data. Data's going to be there, just magically. 
It's not really going to be data and it's not really going to be lore, but it's going to be a Sung type android either played by Brent Spiner or a younger actor that they found that kind of looks like him or both. Because they've really set that up hard. They really, really kind of leaned into that idea. And the, the secret here that everybody's missing is that there is some other power in the universe that despises, and I mean despises, all manner of AI, and that they will come and bring hell to the universe to destroy AI and keep them from go, going anywhere. So what has actually happened in Star Trek Picard, if you've been paying attention, is they have found a way to turn Star Trek into the Lensman. We have our two factions set up, and they're ancient, and they've been feuding, and people have just been caught in the crossfire for all this time, and yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to see the founding of the Lensman and all of that, and that, that, that's where we're going, apparently. Hopefully I'm wrong, but I just really wanted to bring this up because if I didn't talk about it now, I will definitely be talking about it when the episodes come up, and I just wanted to get it out of the way. So next week, we will begin our discussion of Et in Arcadia Ego, part one. And yeah, we'll see where this is going. But I would not be surprised if uh, we see either Brent Spiner or an actor that looks like a young him or something else in this episode. We'll see. But that's all I really have time for today. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, in the show notes, you'll find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short, keep it clean, so I can use it on the show. Love to hear from you. You can also hit me up on Twitter and Instagram. I'm C.E. Dorset on both. You can find links to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. I'm also going to be making playlists of this podcast on Spotify, and I'll be linking them on the website, on, on Project Shadow. So, be looking forward to that. I'm hoping I can get that working soon. <laughs> I'm having a few issues, but I'm working through it. Anywho, if you want to help support everything that I'm doing and help keep my lights on and everything, if you can, my Patreon and listener support are linked in the show notes. If you don't have any money or don't feel like giving, that's fine. But if you know somebody you think would like the podcast, do share it. That helps out a lot too. Especially because I got a surprise coming. I can't talk about it yet, but I got a surprise coming. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Until next time, don't forget to have the fun. Bye. <laughs>